Episode 142 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with Jen Pillipow. Radio team, welcome along to episode 142 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, I've got a pretty cool show today. So I've got a lady by the name of Jean Palapal as the guest on today's show. And Jean has actually been a listener of this show for years and um, she listened to the last episode that I did. Um, and I was talking about that kind of if I were to create a course around weight loss, it would be a hard thing to sell because I wouldn't really be selling a short-term fix and, and all the rest of it. And Jen is, does a lot of work in this area and actually has been creating a course very similar to what I was talking about. The course is called Commitment Secrets, Losing Weight is an Inside Job. And basically, it's around this idea of... Um, mental strategies for weight loss, really. And she's created this course and it's got things... Um, it's quite detailed actually, I've just been having a look at it, it's not released yet, so it's going to be released I think on the 1st of November, so if you listen to this interview and, you interview and you're interested in it, um, there'll be a link on the website bevanjamesowers.com through to the course, so um, I'll have a link, I don't have the website name right now because I'm recording this a couple of weeks before I release it because I'm about to head overseas, so um, so yeah, it's a really cool interview with Jen and, um, and it you know, later on, she gives some really good strategies. And actually, one thing that was really interesting, later on in the interview, she gives some strategies that she uses with her clients. And, uh, and, and I'm sure she'll go through in her course. And then we did, a, we did a double interview. So she has a podcast as well. So afterwards, she interviewed me for her podcast. And unfortunately, her tech went wrong. And so she didn't get a recorded version of my interview when she interviewed me. And uh, so she sent me this email, kind of, a bit bummed out because of this has happened, but she kind of talked me through the process that she teaches in, in her course and she actually talks about in today's podcast. And it was really good because basically she could have not told me and been embarrassed about the fact that her tech had let her down. And let's be honest, it wasn't her fault these things happen. Uh, but actually she confronted it through this process that she went through and found a really great perspective and ultimately talked to me about it. And luckily for her, I had recorded the interview from my end as well, which she didn't know at the time. So by going through a process, she actually made in a, a situation that was a bit of a bummer for her into a really good situation, but kind of grew as a person. And so she's going to introduce that concept later on in the interview that I do with her today. So pretty excited to have Jen on the show, and particularly because I love what she's about. It's about the kind of the mind side of weight loss, and you're going to see that as we talk with her. As you can see, I'm losing my voice, so it happens sometimes. I'm sorry about that. But before I get into the interview with Jen, I do have to say, I want to say thank you to a few patrons of the show. And actually, Jen became a patron, so she had actually been a patron earlier, I'm not sure if I gave nicknames in the early days of the show. So I've given you a nickname, Jen, and it's the Mind Feeder. The Mind Feeder, because they're obviously feeding around nutrition and you believe in the mind side of nutrition. So that's why I've given you that nickname. I also want to say a big thank you to a few of the patrons. Um, Pal, the mystery we've got. 
Karina lifting higher Hirschman. We've got Rosa a deeper level Scott. We've got uh, Scott lead belly McMillan, and we've got Charlotte music to the world Bell. These people are patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com. It's on the website. It's all very clear. And each time you, I do a show, you just donate a little bit of your hard-earned money my way. Anyway, I'm gonna call it a day for now. I'm gonna put the interview up with Jen and here's Jen right now. Right, Tim, I'm very excited to have on the show today a lady by the name of Jean Pilipau, which is apparently Ukrainian, I think she said. Uh, welcome along to the show. Hi, thanks, Bevan. Thanks for having me. So, so um, maybe just give me a little bit of your history. Sure. Um, so my history, I'll, I'll, I won't start at the very beginning, <laughs> but I'll start at kind of uh, my professional career. And that kind of started in my 30s. I spent my 20s basically waitressing and bartending and, and having fun. <laughs> and then my 30s came around and I got serious and I started working at a bank and I slowly started to work my way up and actually got headhunted with um, an advisor that I was working with to go over to another bank and to go into investments. And so that kind of got me into this world where I had no experience and I had to get a lot of education upgrading and it didn't come naturally to me. It was really tough. I'm not naturally good at math. And actually the first time I wrote this exam that I needed to pass to um, trade stock, I failed. And I had tried my hardest. I had done everything that I could and I still failed and I had to redo it. I finally got through it and passed. And I ended up only working in that industry for another year because I found myself waking up in the morning and just dreading going to work. And I didn't want to live like that. So that started the next um, part of my career, which was actually in executive recruitment. And I spent almost 10 years doing that. And it's a pretty fast paced um, type of industry, pretty high stress. And so I started to feel myself get really burnt out and just felt for many years, actually, that I couldn't keep going on. And I just kept plugging away. And it was during this time that I started doing triathlons and I was gaining weight. And so what I really wanted to do was lose weight. And I thought, well, I'll just do more exercise. And that makes mm. sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but what I found is that the more I exercise, actually initially when I started doing triathlon, I gained a little bit of weight because the weird thing about triathlon is, you know, you go out for, um, you know, long run and then you do a bike and you end up eating while you exercise. So yeah, <laughs> you yeah, do yeah, that yeah, yeah. and then you eat afterwards. Like you're not really getting ahead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it really frustrated me. And so what ended up happening, I'll fast forward a little bit is I got pregnant and I went on maternity leave and that was kind of my, my break out where I didn't, I obviously, I took a year off of work, which was glorious, and um, so that helped me break away from that co corporate lifestyle that I felt a little bit trapped in, and um, and also having a baby changed my relationship to exercise because, of course, while I was pregnant, I couldn't do the same high-impact exercise mm -hmm. that I was used to and that I relied on to really manage my weight. And then after having the baby, things had changed and I wasn't able to really go out for a run. I mean, not only with my body, but also with taking care of this little human, I didn't have a lot of time to be away and to do things. So I wasn't looking for an answer 
to losing weight without exercise or without finding a better balance, but it came to me. I was forced on me because I had to change my relationship with it. I couldn't go out for long bike rides or, or long runs. And I had to, it really made me confront um, all my beliefs about food and nutrition and exercise and, and where I stood with all that. So what ended up happening was I figured out to how to work with my mind so that I didn't have to rely on exercise in order to not feel guilty about eating. I kind of had to clean all that up. And so that's kind of the journey that I've been on. Well, but, but it's, it's actually a really interesting journey, isn't it? Because um, it's something that I see a lot of is that, you know, in the fitness industry, everyone thinks we're all very healthy, maybe because we have an image that is portrayed well, but there's a lot of really bad habits that come around it. But because there's an extreme level of exercise for a lot of people in the industry, um, and that kind of lets them justify bad behaviors outside of exercise. But in many ways, they kind of get trapped in that level of exercise because they feel they need to maintain that to maintain a certain level. And it sounds that's kind of the experience that you had. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely the experience. And I think that, it it does kind of breed some of those habits, which is really unfortunate. But this is where I think that, you know, what I found with um, your podcast really helpful is is learning the behaviors around it. And, and that helped to kind of open up my mind. I think you really laid the groundwork for me many, many years ago as I started listening to you as to, you know, looking at all of this in a totally different way and not using exercise as um, uh, like a reward to be able to eat. Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah, and we see a lot of that, don't we? You know, from um, a lot of people, really, isn't it? It's, it just justifies yeah. the eating, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can. <laughs> and, and, and also, the interesting I think thing I find around it is that exercise almost has a threat underneath it. Like maybe, and this would be interesting to ask you actually, because it seems like exercise was the thing that kept me in control. Um, but once you got to a place where you are, well, let's talk about where you are now in a second, but I imagine exercise is maybe more enjoyable because you can actually just be it for exercise, not for, you know, the payoff. Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Bevan, you froze for a second. Can you see me? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I think I got the gist of your question and, and yes, um, I think the best part of all of this learning has been redefining that relationship to exercise in a way that I get to do what I love to do Mm. because before it was like I really felt like I had to run and I had to run long distance because that was the most efficient way to burn calories and and really what my heart wanted was just to practice yoga and to walk and um, to do weights. Those are the things that I really love to do, but I wouldn't let myself because I was, I would be like walking. What is that going to do? What I'll burn like 10 calories. What is the point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? So it was all based on how many calories am I going to burn? Not necessarily mm-hmm. the benefit or the love of exercise. Yeah. Wow. Which is the wrong way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it really is, isn't it? You know, like it, yeah. what, what's the cost of that is probably a better way of thinking about it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so after th- so okay. so continue on with your journey. So then you kind of got to this moment you had your baby. Um, you realized there needed to be a change. So what change did you create? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember just initially after having him thinking like, 
<laughs> when you first have a baby, like you're starving <laughs> because you're feeding the baby too. So I'm eating more than I ate when I was doing triathlon and I'm exercising way, way, way less. And yeah. so my brain just started to freak out, like what is going to happen to me? <laughs> and so I realized pretty quickly, like I had to figure it out. And it was a great opportunity because what happened was I I had been influenced by a lot of different teachers over the years, and I started to really put into practice what they had been talking about in terms of how to manage your mind. And so how your thoughts really do drive how you feel. And then when you feel a certain way, of course, that um, predicts the behaviors and the actions that you're going to take and then gives you the results you get in your life. And I really started to work with that model and and to see the cause and effect. And it it shifted enough of my mindset so that I could start um, calming down about everything. Because if I realized everything started with my thought and a thought is 100% in my control, I can decide what I want to think and just start there. And if I'm having a thought that's giving me anxiety or panic about food or about not getting enough exercise, let's just change that thought. And it's not, it wasn't necessarily going from, you know, an anxious thought to a purely positive thought, because that's a bit too much of a leap. But just starting with kind of a more neutral thought of, okay, what really is in my control now? What can I think about that? And, and what's going to serve me most by thinking about it in the best way and, and kind of started from there. And then um, slowly over time, like I would still I would go out for long walks with the baby and um I relied on that as as kind of my exercise and started to fine tune my eating, starting to just eat when I was truly hungry and allowing myself to feel that anxiety because I, I used to eat a lot when I was just anxious, like especially at work in the afternoon, I would just have snacks just because it would make me feel better in the moment, it would pass time and then I could get through the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So instead of relying on that, I would just allow all that emotion to happen and just let it be there and just allow it, just surrender to it. And that was kind of the key for me is just allowing emotion to be there without trying to immediately fix it. And not, it doesn't, it's not about being happy all of the time. It's really just more about managing all these emotions that we as humans are always going to have. So can you give us an example of, of a thought that you maybe would have had in a past that was ultimately working against you and then um, where you'd get to? Because I hear what you're saying. You're just kind of saying, well, I, I got to a perspective of this is just a thought. I can influence it and, and I need to find the right way to manage it. And then ultimately to not suppress the emotion, I suppose, is what you're saying there, isn't it? it yeah, it's kind of just yeah. be present in it and then try to, to – consciously mm-hmm. choose a path forward from there but maybe just give you got a good example i'm kind of throwing you on the spot here but is there, have you got an mm-hmm. example that you can think of um nothing is springing to mind as like a pure example of just a thought but i can give you an example of a situation where it's like i would feel like um i noticed i had this impulse to it's so weird but um whenever I was home and everybody was here my husband and my son and everybody um whenever if they ever left and I was alone 
I always had this impulse to go eat because there was nobody around to like witness it. Mm. And, and I, I can trace it back to when I was little because um, getting groceries in our house when I was a little kid was always a really stressful event because it cost a lot of money and we were kids and we ate a lot. It just kind of stressed my mom out. And so I didn't want her to see me eating because oh, I felt okay. like that would cause her to be stressed out. And so um, I would, if the family would ever leave, I'd always, the first thing I would do is go to the kitchen and see what I could eat wow. without being okay. observed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so just by kind of noticing my thoughts in moments where I know that I'm reaching for food when I'm not hungry, what is underneath it? Mm. And, um, and trying, it doesn't need to be that deep. <laughs> That's just an example that kind of came to mind of what had happened. No, but it's, it's funny because I, like your example is an interesting one because it is that example of there's a kind of historically you can see why it happened. But then for a lot of people, they are guilty about overeating. So it is a <laughs> hidden thing, you know, that they do kind of, here's my chance to finally let go because the world's not looking at me, um, yeah. you know, and there's that kind of that experience around it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then there is a lot of different reasons. And, and like I said, we don't always need to get that deep about it or really understand like where it came from or why it's really just more important to acknowledge where you're at with it. And, and in, that gives you the opportunity to make a change. You can invite a new thought back in. So maybe the thought was, Oh, everybody's leaving. Finally I can eat. Yeah. And maybe the new thought is, Oh, okay. Everybody's gone. That's okay. Yeah. Um, let's just, breathe and be with all this emotion that, that is going to come up and be okay with that. And I find it really helpful to write through situations like that, just to get a pen and a paper and get it all out. Um, but you don't even have to do that. You really just have to be aware and be present and, and override that urge. So you're kind of saying there's kind of a few steps in this process. It's kind of like, see that it's happening. Um, yeah. Allow the space. And in some ways you often need a processing tool. So like it is literally to kind of stop it and write your way through it. Mm -hmm. okay. I find that really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and this is really um, the key part to all of it is urges really come from the emotional side of it, but they also come from habit, right? Because you've mm -hmm. done it so many times and you've rewarded that behavior with a food that is maybe an addictive type of a food. So of course your brain is going to want to repeat it. Now, every time you sit with it and you don't reward it with that food, Every time you do that, you're writing a new habit until eventually one day that situation will happen and you will not even have that urge because your brain would have rewired. Yeah. And that's the brilliant part of this work is that, yes, it is a little bit of manual effort initially as you're working to think new thoughts and to create new habits. But then once it's done and it is that new habit, it's like it's the best gift you can give yourself ever because your life just becomes so much easier. You don't have to do that work and focus on it so much. And all of a sudden you have all this brain space to think about new goals that you want to accomplish that maybe you didn't have time to think about before. Cause you're always counting calories in your head. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I, I love that idea of that kind of energy wasted on things that aren't that important. So you're kind of saying that yeah. if you can get to the space where that, that place no longer exists, what can you do with that time? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. And, th and that's what I think is really exciting. And, and this kind of dovetails with the work that you do too, because a lot of what you do and you say is that, you know, really helping people be the best version of themselves. And that's what this does. Like once you can remove this, because so many women, I mean, were like me where it was almost 20 years that I struggled with my weight and, um, and not that it, I was, 
very overweight. It was really only like 15, 20 pounds, but, and I was still healthy, but I didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I was in my right size body. And so it consumed all this space in my brain about, you know, when am I going to exercise? What am I going to eat? And once that is removed, then you have all this space to go and do and be you and be your best version of yourself. And that's what I think is so exciting. It's just removing that roadblock for people. Mm. Can you tell me, because one of the things, and, and, and I'm sure there's some obvious answers here, but uh, the, the priority, and I know this is, I, I actually think it's a male and female thing more nowadays, but particularly for a female, is around this whole idea of uh, your weight is your value or your image is your value. Can you talk a little bit about that from your experience and uh, if you have progressed from there, what, how you look at yourself in that way now? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think, well, and I'll start with what a turning point for me was like on my journey as I started to um, work with my mind is instead of looking at other women with either jealousy or a critical eye, I started to look at everybody with love and mm -hmm. it didn't matter what their size was. There was something about them that I loved. And all of a sudden I realized it really, it doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't, and, and I say this all the time, it's not a number on a scale. It's not a size of clothing. It's how you feel. Do you feel like you're showing up as your best potential or mm. working towards your best potential? Are you showing up with your core values in place and living out in the decisions that you're making in your life, which can make you feel very authentic and very good? And if you're not, it doesn't matter if the scale says a certain number. I've lost weight before in an unhealthy way and I wasn't happy when I was there. Yeah. It's not about the weight. It's really about how you feel you're showing up as close to your authentic self as possible and and living your core values. That's what I like to talk about a lot. So, so are you saying that as you transition from a place where uh, your image, your weight, whatever kind of was the thing that you're always focused on to a place where uh, well, it's a healthier place at least, that the way you interpreted the world shifted because of that. Yeah, it did. Wow. I never thought of it like that, but absolutely it did. It shifted how, because when you can stop just looking around for um, like confirmation of, of, of how you're doing based on what other people look like around you, oh, I'm yeah. doing better than that person or I'm not doing as good as that person and putting yeah. you in a place where you don't feel good, um, yeah, it, it shifts your perspective and it, it opens up a lot more opportunity for you to see a lot more things. Well, and that's the problem, isn't it, is that when you look at the world kind of based on your own insecurities, you tend mm -hmm. not to look favorably, you know what I mean? Like it is, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, it's not a healthy, again, going back to what's a healthy place for the self. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a healthy thing. And in and, and many ways, um, it is just to beat yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an, I know that you're into um, Dr. Carol Dweck's work on the fixed mindset yeah. and growth mindset. And, and that's a big part of it, right? Where if you have this fixed mindset and you're always looking around for confirmation that somebody out there, like looking for the somebody that isn't doing as good as you so that you can feel good about yourself, yeah. where is that going to get you? It's, it's not... It's not a happy way to live. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's how I look at competition, actually. Like, I think of competition, like, when I was younger, competition meant I was better than you. And now I look at competition as an opportunity for me to be better through your energy, you know, so that 
I'm not better than you if I beat you. It's just together you help me be better. Um, and, and, and I'm sure hopefully oh, I've helped you yeah. be better as well. And so um, to not be afraid, the competition is an ego boost. Competition is just an opportunity to find a deeper level. Um, and yeah. so I don't look at, you know, it's not about, oh, I'm better than you. It, it's purely just, hey, um, together in this moment, we both kind of went to a higher standard. Maybe one of us was faster than the other, but actually we just went to a higher place. And, you know, it, it's the kind of shift in that kind of focus, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because it's like you need each other to kind of co-create that reality. Mm-hmm. Can I ask what space do you feel you live in now? Um, what do you mean? What space? Like well, about like in the past? It was, yeah. Like in the past, it was kind of focusing on image, on, on image. Uh, where is your kind of like, how do you measure success in life now? Oh, um, on how much this sounds so cheesy (laughs) (laughs) on on how much joy I can find in my everyday because, um, it's, it'd be, I have a two year old and I'm starting a business and my husband and I, we don't live close to family. We don't have a whole lot of help. Our friends that had kids, they did it years before us. We were late. And so we, it's, it's just us. It would be very easy to get caught up in, um, how hard it can be with all of the busyness going on. And my husband works and he travels a lot and my son is too and crazy. (laughs) And it would be really easy to just feel worn down by everything. But I, and I, and I've burned myself out in the past where I've, I've worked myself to the ground to try to get somewhere. And that success that was achieved what the the happiness was really fleeting and so really what i how i want to measure my success now is how much joy i can find in what i'm doing every day and how much gratitude i can bring into it because what's the point otherwise (laughs) right like you can have these goals and you can work your butt off to get to them and then you get there and the goalpost moves And maybe you celebrate that success for a little while, but then you're on to the next bigger thing. That's just the way we are as humans. So the challenge for me now to find my success is is in the everyday little moments with my son. His new favorite thing to do is dance to this Justin Timberlake song, and I'm so sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) But he loves it so much. And and just to find the joy in him shaking his little butt. (laughs) And to find the joy in in creating things for the business, so creating this online program that I'm putting together, not making it about how much is it going to sell, how am I going to market this, how is this going to be a big success, but really putting the success part of it around how much fun is this to create? Mm. Like I get to create this. And, and the joy is in the building of it. It's not in the finishing of it because yeah. that doesn't work out. I've tried it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're very much focused on kind of being in the now around what, what success is basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's my goal. That's yeah. my goal. And how well are you, how good are you at doing that? Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? That's a really good question. Yeah. 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 Um, I have some good days and some days I fight the good fight. Yeah. Like the last two weeks, our nanny was away. We have a nanny that helps us out three days a week and I take him to her and she's got a little girl. So they play together and it's yeah. great. And it provides the perfect balance for our family. Mm. But she's been gone for two weeks and my husband's been working and traveling and 
fighting the good fight some days, you know, like I remember one day last week where I was just exhausted. And when I'm tired, I just want nothing to do with anything. And I just wanted to lie on the couch and my son is going 500 miles an hour and there's no choice. So you just got to accept that not every day is going to feel amazing and look for the little moments as much as you can. And I just, like, I'm just waiting for eight o'clock when I can go to bed. <laughs> well, this one of the subjects I'm really fascinated in is the kind of loss of self around being a mother, um, you know, because it's such a dramatic change. And, and let's be honest, it tends to be a bit more of a dramatic change for the mother in, in kind of most traditional roles. Um, and so how do you make sure you keep you in there? Yeah, that's a really good question. And one that I, I ask myself a lot. And I, th I think that um, having a nanny three days a week does help prime. Um, I'm, it makes me a way better mother because I'm able to go fill up my cup doing the things that I love to do, my work and creating what I'm creating. And then when I'm with him, I feel like I can be present mm. and I can be patient. Mm. And these last two weeks where it's it's been a lot of just him and I, I'm really realizing how important it is to do those things that fill me up so that I can show up. Because otherwise, I just get drained and drained and drained and yeah, I don't. It's a it's a really good question. I ask myself that all the time. Like, how can I, how do I find this balance without, um, what without feeling guilty that I'm not around him all the time? And that's that's one of the things I've discovered in working with lots of mums is that kind of the mm -hmm. guilt factor. You know, to to mm -hmm. actually realize it's healthier for my family if I give this myself this time. Not, I'm neglecting mm -hmm. my family. Or I'm not being a good mother if I give myself this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're 100% right with all of that. And I, I I, had a really hard time in the beginning. I would just feel sick when I would drop him off to really? see the nanny. Yeah, and it's, it's it's gotten less now that it's been just over a year. And um, I always – I frame it in the way where I – it's such a good opportunity for him to go and have new experiences, to play with another little girl, to have those kind of like two-year-old conversations and – and to know that there's a life outside of this little condo. <laughs> yeah. You, you seem to, you, you, this framing idea, you seem to spend a lot of energy kind of finding the right perspective or the right frame. Um, is that, is that, is, tell me about how, why that's so important. Mm -hmm. I, I do. And I do spend a lot of time and energy on it. Um, it's, it's important to my overall happiness because if I allow my brain to just take over and think whatever it wants to think and create whatever habits it wants to create, one of my teachers uses the best analogy. She said, it's like giving a two-year-old a pair of scissors and letting them run wild. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's, I don't know about you or any other people in my mind, it's havoc. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to rein it in. And, and at first it was a lot more manual kind of labor to, to get those thoughts spinning the right way. But now it's become a lot more natural and a lot of those good habits have been made. So I, I, it's kind of like I've got the wind at my back, so it's not as hard and I'm continuing my journey with all of it. And, and I've been introduced to, to some new teachers that are kind of teaching me a, a new way of going forward with it where it's not such manual labor, but it is work. And, and all of the studies that I've, I've done through um, researching through positive psychology is they all say the same thing, that being happy 
does take a certain element of, of work to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, losing weight, you know, maintaining um, a healthy relationship with food and exercise, it does require a certain amount of work. But it's worth it yeah. because you get to live in that body and you get to live in that mind where you're not at the effect of life happening to you. You're on the control side. And of course, you can't control like the weather and things that happen, but you can always control what you think about it. And then that's what your experience is going to be. And I want to make this experience as happy and joyful as I can, because there's going to be enough of the other stuff that just comes along for the ride too. Mm. You've been obviously with a journey on your own kind of learning and mentors and stuff. What have been some of the outside of the framing and some of the stuff we've already talked about, what have been some of the tools that you've found most powerful either for yourself or people you're trying to kind of work with? Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I use a framework called the self coaching model that Brooke Castillo put together. And that's probably the most powerful thing that, changes the lives of my clients and has changed in my life and and it changes lives quickly okay. so I'll often I, I was doing an eight-week one-on-one program and I introduced that model I think it's it was like week three or something and right away within that week people the light bulbs are going off okay, and wow. they're like wow like I can't believe it's this simplistic and that that framework is really looking at um, how your thoughts create your feelings, which create your actions, and then that gives you the results in your life. So as an example, you can look around at your life now, and you can see that the results that you've gotten in your life, they can be traced back to the thoughts that you had. Mm -hmm. So it started with a thought, and then it became your actions, your behaviors, your habits, and then that's, that's the result that you're seeing in your life. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk us through the framework a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So um, she actually has it where the the if you think of um, a sheet of paper and this is lined, yeah. so the first the first line would be circumstance. So the circumstance is the things that happen that are out of our control. So things like the weather or um, you, I broke my leg or something yeah. like that. It's out of our control. And then the next line is our thought about that. So okay. you know if I break my leg, I can think a negative thought about it, or I can think, well, you know, this is a good opportunity for maybe me to put my feet up and rest. A good example of injury is a lot of people, especially as they age, they say, I'm getting old, you know, it's because I'm getting yeah. old. And it's like, well, no, like I'm, I've done exercise forever. I got injured my whole athletic career. <laughs> you know, injury is a part of being an athlete, but because I'm an old age, I put a context on it. So yeah, that's an example that probably sits on that as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that changes how you're how you're seeing it and your experience of it and so um circumstances thoughts and then thoughts are generating the feelings you have those feelings about that thought so if you say well um i'm getting old that's why i got injured that's probably going to make you feel old yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got actions so if you feel old what actions are you going to take maybe you slow down like subconsciously maybe you don't try as hard or yeah. do as much or maybe tiny things maybe it's like oh old, i shouldn't be running right? anymore yeah totally yeah yeah yeah. 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 And then that's your result, right? Mm, you don't mm, run anymore. Mm. And so that's, that's a way of like an unintentional model where if you just let your brain, if you let the two-year-old run with the scissors, that's what's going to happen. Now, if you take a deliberate and conscious approach to it, you go back to that same model. The circumstance is the same. I have a broken leg, but your new thought might be, you know what? I was overdoing it and it's probably a good opportunity 
for me to strengthen some of those little muscles that I don't pay attention to and to sit back with a good book for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, nice. And so if you think that thought, your feeling might be relaxed or peace or ease. And if you feel relaxed and peaceful and easeful, that's six to eight weeks when you're in a cast is going to go by a lot easier. The actions that you take might be the rest that you need. It might be getting a, a brand new book. And then the result is going to be that you'll heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you would have done some strength work. And so then you've got back to it and you can get back to running in a better place. Get back to, yeah. 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 So that's kind of the power of it. And I think what's so well, fascinating. So what, name, name the steps again. What are the steps? It's consequence. Circumstance. circumstance yeah. Thoughts. I'll send this to you in an email too. Yeah, yeah. Feelings, actions, and then results. Okay. And it's a really powerful model because it's, it's one that you can use for anything. So I, I use it in terms of, of weight loss for people. So the result is really your weight. Um, but it can be used for your career. It can be used in relationships and especially powerful relationships. Because if you think about it, the, the person really can be the circumstance. You can't change the person. You can't change the fact that you have a sister or whatever it is. But you can always change how you think about it. And in that way, if you have a struggle with somebody they don't ever have to change, but you can feel better about it. Mm, mm, totally, yeah. And, and and ultimately what actions, I love that that, that kind of leads to actions because it's, um, you know, certain actions could hurt a relationship or it can deepen a relationship and ultimately we want to be deepening it, don't we? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what have been some of the other lessons maybe that you've learned that have been really valuable because it's a pretty cool tool. Anything else? Just kind of chucking it out there. Yeah. Um, I, so the way that I start my program commitment secrets is through looking at goal creation in a different way. And, um, you know, we're all familiar with smart goals that acronym smart. And I think that that's a good model for things like, um, you know, you want to renovate your house or something that has a very definite endpoint. Mm -hmm. I think it works great for that. When it comes to weight loss, I think we need a different model. And the way that I structure it and the framework that I use, if you imagine a circle that continually goes around and around, and we've got in that circle, four things. So we've got core values. We want to know our why. Like, Mm. Why do we want to lose weight? Why do we want to do the things that are hard at first initially? Like as a new exerciser, why do you want to put your running shoes on and go for a run? Mm. Core values. I want to talk about core desired feelings. So how do you, ultimately, the only reason why we want anything in our lives is because of how it's going to make us feel, how we think we're going to feel when we have it. Mm. So you know, if we call those core desired feelings, which is a a Danielle Laporte term, if you're familiar with her, then let's bring that into the the factor of how we're setting our goal. We want to take into consideration our core values, what's important to us. How do we think we want to feel and how can we feel like that now and not waiting to be, to see a number on a scale? And then the third part of it is rewiring the brain. So that model that I just walked you through, that's really like rewiring the brain around, um, you know, if you have a habit that you come home, you know, Friday nights, I'll give you an example of mine where I would come home and it would be like, open the wine. Like it's been a stressful week. I need a bottle of wine. So if you want to change that behavior, we need to get in there and rewire your brain so you can make a new habit. And one that is sustainable because I'm not interested in, you know, a 30 day fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the point of that? Like let's, let's do this in a sustainable way. And that's through core values, core desired feelings, rewiring your brain. And then the last one on that is processing emotion because it's, it's such a fundamental tool to know how to process emotion. And it's, it's not one that 
we really learn growing up. A lot of us kind of learn to, you know, tone it down. (laughs) Don't feel that. And then you come to a place as an adult and it's if, you know, I use myself as an example, I would have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress and I would just eat. And I never equated that to emotional eating. I always thought emotional eating was like, oh, you're crying into ice cream or mm-hmm. you broke up with your boyfriend. Yeah. It's it's silly example, but that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's really any time you're relying on food when you're not hungry to alter your emotional state. And that's exactly what I was doing. And I had to learn how to process that anxiety and that stress. And that's still something that I that I, I work on. I don't think it'll ever go away. I mean, I'm human. I'm always going to have all these emotions. Yeah. The best thing that I can do with that is to learn how to process it. So I, that's the wheel. And it doesn't stop. There's no end point. It's not like you hit your goal weight and it stops. You keep going. You keep Ident- like your core values may change with every season of your life. Mm. Are you re-identifying with yourself every time? Mm. Um, and are you feeling the way that you want to feel, et cetera? It goes around and around. This is a lifetime cycle. Mm. I like it. And I like it because um, you, you really are touching on all aspects. And also there's this kind of practical application. And as you said earlier, you know, if we want to change, it does take effort. Um, but to have some tools to guide us through the effort, because a lot of people just don't have those tools. And, and the fact that emotional, I was actually, we had a friend over for dinner the other night and he's a policeman. And he was saying how, like domestic violence in New Zealand is pretty much the biggest problem the police have to deal with. And uh, and, and a lot of it's just because people don't know how to deal with emotion. Um, they, they have this mm-hmm. inner struggle. And, and horribly, you, you know, a lot of time it ends up in domestic violence. And it's just that these people haven't developed good ways to deal with the struggles with emotion and if as a part of your journey it is that kind of okay what is my healthy way and how do I evolve evolve this and how do I actually like to me I love this idea of um in my toughest times it actually becomes an esteem building time so you know if I process emotion in a really powerful way I actually come out the other side with a sense of esteem not a sense of disappointment in self and that's you know that kind of work can really do that can't it yeah, that's a really, really good point. I, I think that really breeds a lot of confidence. And the best part about that is the more practice you get with that, you get to a place where it's like you're not afraid to feel any emotion. And then it takes away a lot of the fear because why are we afraid of doing anything new or trying something in failure? Because you're afraid of feeling failure, afraid it won't work out. But if you're not afraid to feel any feeling, and the world is your oyster. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just just lastly, um, for those who and, and there might not be one answer here, but for those who you see actually make progress and kind of get to where they're hoping to get to, what are, what are some of the kind of key factors that they bring to it that helps them? Mm, yeah, I, I I think it's really important that um, the women that I've seen have really good success, get to their goal weight, they have this curiosity and this innate desire for personal growth and personal development. I don't know how to separate that from weight loss. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a journey of yourself um, and, and wanting to grow yourself and wanting to be the best version of yourself, which is a certain element of personal growth and development mixed in with it. So the women that come with that burning curiosity and desire are the ones that really gravitate and grab onto the information and make that change. So it's almost like looking at, at a weight loss journey as a, as a really, while there's a number on a scale you may want to get to, it's actually not about that. It's about the, the evolution of self. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, 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 and if you get that right, 
um, the weight, there's a much higher chance you're actually going to get to the point with the weight. And ironically, I imagine if you kind of get to that place, the number on a scale isn't actually not so important. Yeah, 100%. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, so if people want to follow your work or if they want to kind of get behind you and do, see what you're doing, where would they go and, and tell me all about it? Um, so you can find me at jenpillipow.com. I have a podcast called Brain Boss. Losing yeah. weight is an inside job. Nice. And you That's can find one. me on Facebook at yeah. Jen Pillipow. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> and you have a course, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So I've, I'm creating a an online self-directed course. It's called Commitment Secrets. So it walks you through um, how to create that goal architecture that I talked about. It walks you through uh, the framework of how to rewire your mind, how to process emotion, and then a whole bunch of bonuses, you know, like um, how to eliminate scale, drama, what to do when you travel, um, practical tips like that. Um, and that's going to be ready November 1st. Awesome. Well, we'll send it through and we'll let people know about that. So uh, again, if you want to check it out, I'll put all the links on the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Bevan. Appreciate it. Awesome, Jen. Some really good stuff there from Jen. I, I do love this um, her, her idea for her course, to be honest. I think it's a really good idea for a course. And so um, again, I recorded this I'm recording to what you're hearing right now a couple of weeks ago. So I don't actually have the link that I can tell you right now. But if you go to bevanjamesisles.com, you can see the link to Commitment Secrets, Losing Weight as an Inside Job. And now it, it may not be going up until the 1st of November. And I'm actually releasing this show on the 15th. So it might be a couple of weeks away. So even if you're listening now, go back a couple of weeks later and on the 1st of November that it gets released and you can check out what Jen's doing with that course and it's some, it's really detailed there's lots of kind of core courses within it and uh, yeah I just think it's a really good way if you are in that weight loss journey and you are looking for the mind side of the game it's probably a really good way to start so check it out Commitment Secrets by Jen Palipal. Um that's pretty much me for today I'm actually pretty excited I'm about to jump on the plane I'm about to head to Hawaii and to do some media work at the Ironman World Championships um, if you've listened to the show for a long time you know I do this every couple of years so I'm pretty excited to head on over and uh, hang out with athletes in the most important week of their life so it's pretty cool and also get some sun and stuff like that so I'll be back in a couple of weeks time I've got a I've actually got a great podcast coming up in the next couple of weeks I had a session with a client the other day and I came up with a concept with this client and and, and as I was doing it I gave it a name and everything and it really connected with my client I was like oh wow that's pretty cool and even my client said to me Bev that's a podcast so I'm going to be doing a podcast on a new concept which I think uh, a lot of people are going to find quite interesting. So check that out in a couple of weeks' time. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. If you want to follow my work, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com. You can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to check out My 5K Dream, which is my beginner running program, go to my5kdream.com. Uh, and that's about it for now. Anyway, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks' time. Keep doing what you're doing and keep on improving. See ya.